This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Chatters Box. My name is Kyle McClellan, your host, and we are kicking off the uh, 2024 year of podcast with one of the newest Cardinals in Kyle Gibson, who just signed a free agent contract to come over to St. Louis and be a part of that starting rotation. Kyle, thank you so much for stepping into the Chatters Box. Yeah, Kyle, I'm excited to talk to you, man. I feel like uh, you know we've talked a lot over the last few years just between fantasy football and charity and stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk to you more now as officially as a Cardinal. Yeah, well, welcome to the uh, Cardinals organization. What what's the last few months been like for you? Um, I feel like it's been somewhat what I expected. Um, you know, we've lived here near St. Louis now for five or six years, um, and all of Elizabeth's family, my wife, is Cardinals fans. So yeah. anytime I played the Cardinals, anything like that, yeah, I've always been hearing all about it. Right, so now to to be a Cardinal. Um, it's something I've kind of hoped had happened the last few times I'd had the chance. And I just don't think organizationally it lined up, but, you know, thankfully it did this time and, and I'm really excited about it, but we kind of knew going into it that it was going to be a few more opportunities to talk at this school, sign here, be here. Um, so it's been kind of what I expected, but it's all good stuff comes with it. Well, awesome. Well, I know, um, you know, you grew up relatively close to St. Louis. Did you grow up a Cardinals fan? No. So I grew up in Indianapolis, just a few hours away. Um, <clears throat> obviously no major league baseball teams there. Uh, a lot of triple A Indianapolis Indians games. Um, but I actually had a buddy who uh, was really the guy that I looked up to and went to high school with my sister, Jake Fox. He played for the Cubs for a little bit and bounced around. Um, so even though a lot of my friends were Cardinals fans, I was a Cubs fan and a Reds fan growing up. My dad loved the big red machine in the seventies and, you know, we would pop down, you know, I-74 and get right to Cincinnati in maybe an hour and 45 minutes. So, um, you know, that's kind of how I grew up with the Cubs and, and Reds. But um, never, like, never, like, looked down and despised the Cardinals. But as soon as I got drafted and made it to the big leagues, all my wife's family was like, well, of course, Albert was still there. And how are you going to do against Albert, you know? Mm-hmm. I think Albert's going to take you deep. And sure enough, he did when he was with the Angels. But, uh, you know, it was it was always fun having those conversations just because all of her family were always Cardinals fans. Well, and, and I know your your college time, a lot of people probably don't know you went to Mizzou. Um, and so we actually would have missed each other. So I was a Mizzou sign, uh, ended up getting drafted by the Cardinals out of high school and and passed on the Mizzou thing. But you, what year would you have been there? Was it? So I was there fall of 06 was my yeah. first fall. And then spring of 09 was the, the last time I was there. So I was 02 high school. So we you would have come okay. in right after me. So Max Scherzer was the year after me. Yeah. Then uh, and, and uh, you know a St. Louis boy and you know we played together against each other and played together in uh, in high school and in in, uh, in in some fall ball stuff. So uh, quite a pipeline there. Brett Graves, another local kid here from yep. St. Louis, Mizzou guy. Yep. I think you were maybe just before him. So a good steady pipeline of Mizzou boys or St. Louis yep. boys up there in Mizzou, and then now you're here 
I consider you a St. Louis guy now that you're you're in the family now. But uh, then, but you and your family now are have been in St. Louis. A lot of people probably don't don't know that about you. Like you said, the last five six years, you you've you've been staying here in the St. Louis area. Yeah. So Elizabeth grew up here um, out here by Six Flags, and you know her family roots are here. We got married here. Um, you know, her dad and mom both have big families and all of her family's here. So as we started having kids uh, in 2014, our daughter was born and then our son was born in 16. And as we started having kids, you know, that fall of 17, after that year in Minnesota, um, we just kind of knew it was time to pick a spot, either Indiana or Missouri, just so our kids could be around, you know, their grandparents. And, um, you know, with Mizzou connection and then just kind of the landscape. I know it might sound weird, but we like being in the woods. We like being in hills and stuff. And Indiana's a little bit flatter. So uh, we picked over here by Missouri and, and, you know, we're 10 minutes from her family and uh, have been here now for a while. And we really enjoy it. Well, as you, you look at this opportunity with St. Louis, talk about that a little bit of, I, you know, I know last year, like you mentioned, we're in a fantasy football league together. So we've, we've known each other. Through, through that over the last few years. I know you and Adam are, are very close and we can talk about that as we get going, um, Adam Wainwright. But last year you were in Baltimore and kind of a similar situation really in my eyes of the situation you're here in St. Louis. There's a team that they lost a bunch of games. I mean, there's no denying that, right? They, lo they lose a bunch of games. You come in there and all of a sudden, boom, they're back in the playoffs. Um, when you look at St. Louis, lost more games than what we're used to, to losing here. Um, you know, it hasn't happened in a long time, but obviously it's not a team that's used to doing that. So now you're looking at this as an opportunity to rebound. You were a part of that in Baltimore. Is there any carryover, any value you think you can bring from your experiences last year in Baltimore and what you guys were able to do into this team here this year? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, St. Louis, uh, you know, anytime, I know you know this, but anytime like I talk about a previous team, don't want to mean any disrespect, right? But I think St. Louis is in a lot different place because um, not nearly as many, you know, young guys and way more, uh, way more experienced and established guys, right? Now, I, I really compared the guys in, in Baltimore to that team in Philly a lot because okay. the Philly team had so many veterans that were studs. And I know those guys in Baltimore are going to be studs. They're just like three years behind them, you know, and they're going to have that many all-stars on that team. That team is just loaded and they're going to be good for a long time. Um, I think this Cardinals team just has a really good mix of the established guys between Nolan and Goldie, uh, you know, Edmund, you know, I can go on and on, right? Wilson, uh, a lot more established guys um, and maybe not a lot, but just more of them. And I think guys that have been in the playoffs and done it, um, and I think, but we also have that good mix of young guys. And from Philly, those young guys in 2022 injected so much life in the time when we really needed it. We had a couple injuries that really kind of knocked us down. And then you had those young guys come up and man, it changed the landscape of that year. So young guys, as you know, can have a really big impact. So I think that's why a good mix like we have right now in St. Louis is, is going to be a really good way to go. Honestly, they have to have an impact. I don't think there's ever been a good team that's gotten through without an unexpected name or a young guy that came up that you know, I go back to our 2011 team when we won. And it's like, man, you look at all the guys that contributed and there was guys that in spring training, if you would have said, Hey, this person's going to be on the roster and, and play a role in that, you'd be like, man, we're going to have a tough year, but injuries happen. Um, you know, and then it's the opportunity for those guys to come up and do that. And if you don't have that, if there's that void, uh, 
you know, then you're just kind of waiting for those guys to get back and you can't sit there and wait for Albert to do everything for you. You know, he's going to have a day where he doesn't get a hit or doesn't make a play or isn't, an, you know, isn't kind of the factor of the game. And when those other guys can jump in, man, that's the, I mean, that's a true team, right? And you can't, you can't get through a baseball postseason without that team, uh, team atmosphere. So you, you have to have the, those young guys, in my opinion. Yeah. And you have to have those extra guys. I mean, you know, one thing in Baltimore last year, we were super fortunate where injury bugs on the starting rotation didn't happen. Yeah. I think we might have used, and a couple of them were just either openers or spot starts. We might have used eight starters all year. That just doesn't happen, right? right. So a guy like Drew Rom, you know, he was—he's a stud. He's good, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, he was—he was kind of backed up there in AAA, um, and you know, really could have been helping the big league club like he did. He came over in St. Louis, so um, you know, they—it was just a—it was a really fortunate situation for us and in, in injuries and stuff, and and that's how teams. You know, have years that you know exceed expectations, right? You know, you you avoid certain injuries. You have a, a few guys that really break out, um, and I think this Cardinals team were poised to do it. You know, um, you know, starting pitching brings consistency. You know that, and I think we have a starting rotation group that day in and day out can hopefully give this team um, what they know what to expect. You know, you're going to have you know solid starts that get you deep into the game, hopefully, and you're going to be in the ball game. The offense is already really good. And the defense is already good. Um, and then, you know, you mix that with some of the bullpen moves that we're making. I think it's really putting us in a really good spot to, to be, you know, right back at the top of the division again. I want to talk about uh, a former teammate of yours and now current teammate of yours again. But when you talk about that young guy that was kind of coming up and transitioning, back in 2011, Lance Lynn was in AAA. And I was in the starting rotation, went on the DL. Lance came up and did a fantastic job for us. And you could see it, right? Everybody knew Lance is going to be somebody that's going to be here, which just wasn't quite his time yet. Ends up coming back out of the bullpen later that year and was a huge force for us. You guys played together in Texas, um, and now you're back together. What is it? What is uh, your relationship with Lance, and are you excited to have him back in the mix? So uh, I didn't know Lance in high school, but we both are from Indiana, right? Um, yep. But Lance has a just basically the best way to put it is a folklore of Lance Lynn from Indiana baseball, right? Like he's got stories upon stories because he was just, you know, maybe be when it comes to high school baseball, maybe one of the best high school pitchers ever mm -hmm. in Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody knew of Lance Lynn, but he was a year ahead of me. We didn't play Brownsburg being an hour apart, but um, so then when I got the chance to, to play with him in Minnesota, it was really cool to kind of have that connection that happened quick, right? He got traded at the deadline in New York, but, we just had that that you know Indiana connection, and then you know that was a big part of the big reason why I did go to Texas was knowing him, and then just a couple other setups for that I felt like were really good for our family. But um, we've already been texting quite a bit. Uh, you know, he he called me uh, the day that he agreed and said, "Hey, you gonna come join me in St. Louis or what?" And uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it just he's he's awesome. He's he's somebody who. Um, is just he's a bulldog on the mound. He goes out there and he's somebody that I talked to a lot to about my cutter, talked mm -hmm. a lot to about pitching, and um, you know he's he's going to be really good for those other young guys. And we're hoping to to try to bring a little bit of that you know wisdom and, and veteran presence and um, between us and Sonny and Miles. I mean um, you know and and Stephen, we got a lot of veteran presence in that rotation. Adam Wainwright's leaving. You've had Yachty leave. You've had Albert <clears throat> leave. You know that that core leadership for. 20 years um, mm -hmm. is now gone. 
And that's a huge void. I've been in that locker room with with all three of those and understand how important that is and what their role was. Um, you know, and, and it and people have been open about it last year about the void that created, and maybe they were caught off guard by how big of a void that was. So they they purposely go out, bring in veteran guys that are gonna come up, they're gonna that are gonna be there to, to obviously uh, the innings is gonna be uh, there for these guys. They brought in all guys that, that can cover innings. Um but a veteran presence uh, to step in that locker room. How do you approach that as coming in, having a guy with a lot of experience, but into an environment that isn't yours, you know, yet? And so how, how does that work? Yeah, um, I think, you know, for me, uh, I just have to understand that I'm not Adam Wainwright. You know, Lance Lynn's not Adam Wainwright. Sonny Gray is not Adam Wainwright. Um, you know, you really don't replace that type of a personality and that type of leadership. Um, definitely not in one person. And I don't think it's something that you can try to be. I've seen guys in the past um, have, you know, big prominent leaders leave and then they feel like they have to fill that void themselves. And it, it just doesn't work. Um, you know, you have to be yourself. You have to, to lead how you want to lead and, and lead how you can um, and just keep being yourself. So uh, I know there was a lot of pressure on Wilson last year. I don't know Wilson, um, but I can only imagine from afar, you know, what he was trying to do. Um, and how fans had seen Yachty for years. And now, you know, it, it's you can't step in for Yachty and just be right. Yachty. That doesn't happen. Um, so the same is for Wayno. You know, I don't think Lance and I, you know, we're not sitting here in Sunny. None of us are talking about, hey, how can we be the Wayno? Um, you know, this team has, you know, uh, been put in a really good hands from from Wayno and Yachty and Pools for so long. And, um, you know, it's our job to just carry the torch of expectations, you know, carry the carry the culture on. You know, keep the accountability, keep keep the the things that they put in place, but also have our fingerprint on it. Have our have our you know team team way about doing things and, and do it our way, um, because the last thing Wayno and those guys want is say, hey, you guys do it just how we did it, so then you guys can get here, right? Like they they don't expect that. They want it to be our team, and um, you know we're excited to do that. So as a, the starting rotation having so many new faces into it. Are you guys already in communication with each other? Are you, um, you know, give, give a little insight into to the fans of what what is that behind the scenes before you get to spring training? Uh, do you have, I mean, I obviously you know Lance, but do you have any relationship with the other guys that are there and, and kind of what, what goes into that leading up to spring training to get ready for day one? Yeah, uh, you know, Lance is the only one that I knew <clears throat> going in, um, but, you know, Sonny and, and uh, Lance and I have already been put on a team chat and just had those, you know, little bit of discussion here and there. Um, and then Lance and I were just texting just the other day about, you know, it's it's a different situation for this Cardinals team right now, coming off of a, a year where we struggled and and you know trying to really have that bounce back and figuring out figuring out. Oh, thank you, appreciate that. Got a painting for my daughter. Sorry. Let's see. Uh, Let's see yeah, uh, we got just a, a couple colors here mixed around. Very good. Yeah, using job. using all the colors here, um, <laughs> but you know, tr trying to trying to build those relationships and have a little bit of insight before you get to spring. But nothing I know in this world of the, you know being able to do this right here is great, right? You know, being able to to have these conversations over the phone, over video is great. But um, nothing in my mind replaces being in person, and I think a lot of that will happen in spring, where you get in person. You start to get to know people face to face, you know, what makes them tick, you know, what makes them successful. And then you can really build those relationships. It's great to text. Don't get me wrong. Great to kind of get those questions and hellos out of the way. But um, 
know, anybody can be anybody over text. You know, when you get to face to face with somebody and have those conversations, that's where those relationships build. Yeah. And that was going to be my next kind of thing is, okay, you get down to spring training, you're going to get there early. What, what walk me through your first week or your first few days of like, there's an intention. Like I remember uh, being in that locker room as a young guy and sitting there and watching Adam Wainwright there, there's a table that the veteran guys sit at. And then there's a table that the young guys every once in a while will sit at, but they're not supposed to really sit there. This is back, you know, the, things were a little bit different. Yep. Back then. Yep. And then I would be in on the media side and I'd see young guys sitting at the table and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're sitting at the table. <laughs> but things changed, right? And it was, we had some, some players left that that wasn't as big of a deal too. And, and Adam Wainwright purposely going and sitting with the, the double A reliever or the single A reliever that's in camp. And he would go sit at the young guy's table and he'd sit next to him and have lunch with them and he'd get to know him. And next thing you know, they're following him like a little puppy dog out to PFPs and, and everywhere. And uh, so what it like for a veteran guy, spring training is not just about go down and get my innings. Like there is a six to eight week, um, whole plan of what you want to achieve and what you're trying to do. And so, Having been with a couple different organizations, what have you learned through that? And what are you excited about using that time, obviously to prepare yourself first and foremost, but also to, to kind of spread yourself with, within the organization to as many people as you can? Yeah, uh, before we ended up <clears throat> having our fourth child, and really I would say probably number three, Rosalind in 2019 probably changed spring training going into 2020 because with three kids, you know, I used to try to get down to Florida, you know, January 1st. And, you know, as soon after New Year's as I could, you know, get to the Twins facility and get my bullpens in with four kids and now two of them in school. That just that doesn't work out too well. I don't I don't like to be away from the crew, you know, three to four weeks at a time. Uh, did that a lot last year. And it's just it's it's not beneficial for the family. So um, we'll get down there a few days early, um, <clears throat> you know, and really kind of spend that time unpacking and and use that time kind of just get to know people a little bit. Right. Introduce yourself. Um, and like you said, you know, it's even just from the time, I feel like that shift of a veteran to rookie relationship kind of shifted a little bit, you know, my first couple of years, um, between Mike Pelfrey, Kevin Correa, Phil Hughes, you know, the starters that I had, they were extremely welcoming. And all I heard was stories from Pelfrey about how it was not the same for him. Right. Um, and I think those guys realized that, uh, at least in Minnesota, that, maybe there was some of that that just wasn't as beneficial to their career as, as maybe thought. And I know from obviously in Baltimore, because we were so young, but I know in Philly, if we wouldn't have made those young guys feel comfortable, I don't think they're going to be as successful. Right. Um, so I think some of that changing has really allowed some of these young guys to take off and maybe reach their ceiling a little bit faster is when you're comfortable, you know, as you know, right. That first year is really kind of getting your feet wet and getting comfortable. If you can make that happen faster, even in spring training, you can allow those guys to really take the field opening day, maybe two weeks in, three weeks in, whenever they get there. You can allow that transition to happen way easier, right? Uh, I always tell people from my time in Baltimore, just you know, that year kind of seeing new guys being brought up, that core had played together for three or four years in the minor leagues. So whenever somebody got called up, called up everybody was celebrating it, and it was their buddy from the last three years that they played with. Right. So then they got called up to a group they already knew. And I think that's why you saw people have so much success when they got called up last year was because they were already comfortable. So the time in spring training will definitely be, all right, who's my locker guys here? Who are the guys that that, um, you know, maybe need to be 
brought along and kind of just introduced myself. And But I'm not necessarily somebody who likes to say, hey, all right, you, you, and you, come with me. Let's go do this, right? Um, I just don't think all the time leaders force people to follow. I think leaders are people that you do what you do and people want to be around that, you know, just like you talk about with Wayno, right? People wanted to be around him. People wanted to be in the room. People wanted to be in that PFP group. Um, and I think that's that's some of the best attributes a leader can have. Yeah, for the young guys, knowing that they're allowed to have access to you, I think is huge. You know, yep. so they're going to stay in their area until they all of a sudden have that, they break down and have that one conversation with you. And then it's like, okay, it is okay. It's okay for me to reach out and do this. Because yep. I don't think fans understand the divide of a minor league guy that's invited to camp and a major established guy. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. it is two different worlds. And as a minor league guy, you're just trying to do everything right. You know, you're trying yeah. not to get noticed, but you kind of want to get noticed on the field, but you want to use that time. I, I tell young guys that go into camp all the time, you, you might, that might only be the, the only three weeks you ever get in major league camp, mm-hmm. uh, man, take that and, and learn something from it and utilize it that you can use the rest of your career and, and lessons you'll learn from there. And, and Adam was always so welcoming, inviting of that. Yeah. Yeah. would be out in the cage. At, I mean, gosh, the sun wouldn't be up yet. He's out in the cage with all these catchers, you know? And so then you'd see that rapport build with them, mm-hmm. uh, just that comfort throughout camp there. I came in one spring training and I, I was, a. Uh, it was a year I was, uh, moving from the bullpen to the rotation potentially. And uh, I walk in and my locker was in between Chris Carpenter and Adam Wainwright. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think this is by accident. I already had a couple years in the league, but I had to learn how to be a starter. And I'm like, I guess yep. this is to do. And you want to talk about two polar opposite <laughs> personalities. Uh, yep. One was going to punch you in the face. The other was going to you know, reach over and hug you. And you can figure <laughs> out but um, so many lessons from both of those guys and both those, the, their, their tactics and how they went about it. Um, you know, just two different generations. Um, but man, the impact it had on me, both of those guys, two the most impactful guys that that I had in my career. And so that time in spring training is just so important. And I think it starts off, it just it 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 gets the season started. You know, those relationships, like you said, building those of the as as quick as you can. And I think in today's game, you have way more younger guys that are contributing than we did 15, 20 years ago. Um, and so the need for those young guys, um, is far greater and the younger players are better now than they were, I think, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and you saw it over there in Baltimore. And I know there's Cardinal fans are all paying attention to Jackson holiday and his ascent into the major leagues, which I would imagine is probably going to come, you know, this April um, over there in Baltimore. That's another one they're adding in the mix there. And so um, those, those guys, like you said, they're, they're not only, they're not coming to get their feet wet. They're coming in they're they're major contributors to the team and what they're looking for. And, uh, and that's a great part of it. Talk a little bit about your relationship with Adam Wainwright. I know you guys are super close. I know Big League Impact is really important to you, uh, the charitable organization that Adam started. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but my wife and I started our charity, uh, Brace for Impact, after a trip that Adam and I took with Jenny, uh, or Brit- my wife Bridget and I took with Adam and Jenny to Haiti. And we've been involved in Haiti ever since. It's been life changing mm-hmm. for us. Um, because of Adam's pursuit of allowing people the, the opportunity to see and, and to help other people. Uh, and I know it's had a profound impact on you as well. So just talk about your guys' relationship. Um, and did that come into play at all? Was Adam involved in the recruiting, if you will, of, of getting you over to St. Louis? Because I know he's been talking about for several years, he'd love to get you over here in St. Louis. So I met <clears throat> I met Adam in, in a similar 
you know, situation just like we talked about in spring training, right? I was a young guy at a conference called Professional Athletes Outreach. Um, and my agent um, is really, really close with his, one of his financial advisors, Don Christensen. And those two people were like, hey, we got to get Kyle to meet Adam. I think it'll be great for not only just, you know, getting to know somebody who does things the right way, but just pitching wise, everything. Right. Um, so my first conversation, I believe it was, uh, him, I think Carpenter was there and Lance Berkman were there. And I am just like, <laughs> why not? You talk about those young guys in spring training, right? Like, that's how I felt. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just speak when spoken to here because I don't know what to do. Um, but met him then. And then, uh, as I got to know him more and as I got called up, um, he started his fantasy football leagues and in Minnesota, you know, he's, I just kept hearing, Hey, you got to do one of these leagues. You got to do one of these leagues. So that's how I started with my work, uh, with big league impact was doing a fantasy football league in Minnesota. I believe in 2015 it was, um, and just the more I got to talk to him through that, um, you know, Elizabeth and I sat down with him and Jenny and, and we're asking them questions about, Hey, you guys do so much charity work. How do you find the time to do it? You know, you guys have five kids. And, you know, we would like to have, you know, more than one. I think we might have had a conversation when we had one at the time. But it's like, how, how do you do this? How do you just keep going? Um, so that, that really kind of built that relationship. And then, you know, we were sitting at another professional athletes outreach conference. Um, I believe it was the offseason after 2017. And uh, we're sitting at the table with him and Jenny. And he goes, hey, um, Big League Impact is really known as my charity. And I don't want that anymore. You know, I... I he, at the time, I think he was coming off an injury, and I don't know that he knew how much longer he was going to play. Um, you know, it turns out he played six more seasons, but uh, I think he was at a time where he was really trying to make sure that it, you know, survived and went on. Most and he's like I, that Achilles, which is a pretty major injury. Right, exactly. And uh, he just said, hey, I, I really want this to be known as an MLB charity, and I'd love for you to come on board as vice president and, you know, possibly move into a larger role when I'm done here soon. And I was like, well, I was caught off guard. You know, and and uh, so Elizabeth and I sat and, and thought about it a little bit and, and realized how helpful Big League Impact had been for our charity work in Minnesota. Um, so for us, it was kind of a no-brainer to, to jump on board and, and be more involved and see how we can you know, really learn from him, but then also be a, a part of the growth. Um, and then so over the last six years, it's just been awesome to see his vision and kind of figure out how someone who has such a big heart and such big ideas uh, for charity work, how he gets those to come to fruition, how he gets them to work. Um, I'm a dreamer. Elizabeth is logistics. So I try to come up with ideas and so does she, but then she tries to put them into action. Right. Um, you know, Wayno is, he's the same way. He's got a lot of ideas and, and that's been really cool to kind of see that up close as vice president here for the last little bit. And, um, you know, he almost outplayed me after that conversation, right. You know, he played six more years and, uh, I don't know that he saw that coming, but, um, you know, it's been really cool over the last few years to, to be a, a big part of that and, and to have have a hand in, in you know, um, his passion and understanding how he works in that arena. So uh, with your close relationship with him, obviously he hit 200 wins last year. He doesn't get 200 without that win in Baltimore. You were there for that on the other side. What what's it? What what are the Baltimore Orioles saying? Somebody like that comes in, you know, he's going for something. Um, what's that like? you know, from a competitive standpoint, but also some Adam, somebody that I don't think there's anybody in the game that has a bad word to say about him. Um, you might not like his curveball. You might not like facing him, but you respect him. And so there's also that like, we're going to compete our butts off and you're going to have to earn this. But 
you know, was there also like, man, that was pretty cool to see him go out there and do that. And then for you being a friend of his and Jack Flaherty being over there, a former teammate who I know Adam had a big influence on. What was that like? Because that start to me in Baltimore was, I think if that doesn't go well, if he doesn't win that game, he's he's probably done after that, right? Like he does, probably doesn't yep. come and have that chance. I mean, obviously ended right at 200, but yep. as you know now, he was he was broke all year trying to get mm-hmm. through it. Man, that was such a gutsy performance there in that in that game there. Yeah, Jack and I were were glued to the bench that game because uh, it was a really close game too. Yeah. Uh, I think it might have been one nothing or two to one. I mean, it was. I think it was one nothing. It was a close game, um, and we were pushing for the division. I mean, it, there was a lot on the line for for really everybody, right? I know the Cardinals might not have been in a division hunt or a playoff hunt, but they that were hanging on every win too, right? Like for them, every. Yep. Every Wayno start was a playoff yep. game, right? Um, so yeah, that was that was really cool, and um, you know, just that once again he beat us. But um, you know, Jack and I were were happy for him. You know, it's it's one of those things that you respect the type of people like like Adam in the game, and when they get either to a milestone or a step closer, um, you know, you congratulate them and you understand every now and then you get beat, and you know, it's it's okay when things like that happen. You know, I was in Minnesota and in LA when Pujols hit you know, 600, um, or I think was it 500 or 600 at the time. I don't remember. Um, but he hit, he hit a milestone against us that day and, um, didn't really know him, but it's cool to be there. Cool to be a part of those moments and and be a part of history. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was special. What, what I had to give him a hard time for was that I think I pitched the next day and they clearly have a, Hey, we're calling a Homer, putting our hat on the rail because when Tyler O'Neill's up, I look over and Wayno's got his hat on the rail. I'm like, Hey, I mean, you, you couldn't take one game off of calling a home run against me. Chase, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, I had to give him a hard time for that. But yeah, um, yeah it's, I, I enjoy competing against people. You know, I always, it's just my personality. I'm not like a, uh, you know, grit your teeth and not say, Hey, like, I enjoy that competition and being able to say, Hey, you either got me or I got you at the end of the game and, and have a little bit of fun with that. Yeah. So as we wrap this up here, what, um, I mean, opening day and you've, you've been a part of a lot of them. Uh, as you know, St. Louis has, has, is unique. Um, St. Louis has an opening day like none other. Uh, what is it that you're, that you're looking forward to when you get back from, from Jupiter and you get back here, the season gets started, but opening day in particular, is there anything that, have you thought about that yet? Is there anything that, that stands out that you're really excited about being a part of? So um, never had, never had an opening day here or even been for a home opener for St. Louis, obviously with interleague and stuff that was different, but even with Philly and you know, we weren't here. Um, opening day in Baltimore with that storied franchise was different. I had been there for an opening day before, so I knew what to expect. Um, I would assume St. Louis with this fan base and this storied franchise, uh, it's going to be similar or more. And, um, you know, home openers, um, as long as you haven't already been to two or three of them, which I had that one year where you start on the road and you've been to two and now yours is the third one. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, I wish we'd have done this first. Um, But home openers are special. And I feel like last year was special because it was my first year there. Playing in Baltimore is always something I enjoyed. And playing in St. Louis has always been something I've enjoyed as a as a road player. Um, it's just a special stadium to be in. So I would expect, you know, the I still get the butterflies. I still get the the anxiousness that you know I know how to use it a little bit better now. But I still get those feelings. Um, so I'm I'm excited to have that again. You know, I'm excited to to do it as a home player for the first time um, in a stadium that you know I've I've watched a lot of baseball games. I've watched a lot of playoff games on TV. Heard a lot about 
Cardinal Nation from family, like I've already mentioned. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of an opening day as as a Cardinal. Uh, it's, I know it's going to be a special day, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. I mean, for me, growing up here, I've been to a lot as a fan. And then I remember riding the back of the truck and getting out, and, man, you hit that red carpet, and it's like, okay, there's Whitey Herzog, there's Bob Gibson, there's Lou Brock, there's Red Shandies, there's Stan Musial. It's like, holy cow, you just keep shaking. <laughs> and these are just absolute giants and icons in in our world. And um, to be able to be one of the very few that's able to get out and walk down that red carpet and shake their hand and go down, it really puts it in perspective. Um, like you said, opening day is special. Anytime you make an opening day roster, uh, you never take it for granted because you don't know if it's your last time or or your only time. And uh, so look forward to it because it is, uh, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of hype around it. I've been a part of a lot of different other ones. I won't name the cities on the road. Um, and it doesn't even compare. I mean, it's just the energy and, and the, um, the, uh, the history and everything that the Cardinals bring out is, is, uh, is second to none. So put that one on your, uh, on your calendar, man. It is a, it is definitely a, a special time. So, uh, well, man, thank you so much for for being a part of this. We're going to let you get get going. I know you, you're you're busy. It's we're, I don't know when this is going to air. It was January 10th, but you got to get those Christmas lights down behind you before uh, before you get down to spring training. You know? <laughs> man, I didn't uh, I didn't even think about that. I probably should have uh, should have thought of that. Thankfully, uh, when we moved in here, we we've always hung them on the same hooks. So it's just wrapped around the hook once. We'll go around, we'll unwrap it, and they'll be down. Well, it's yeah. no big deal. Awesome. And the kids love them, so they still like seeing them. So, uh, you know, we got a little bit of snow here, as you know. So, yeah. uh, the kids still like seeing the lights. So, we'll leave them up as long as we can. Awesome. Well, enjoy your uh, your winter warm up here and and coming up soon, and and uh, enjoy your time here in St. Louis. I, I really appreciate you coming on and being a part of this, giving the giving the fans a little glimpse into into who you are and kind of what goes into coming into a new organization. So, uh, thank you for uh, for being a part of this. Thank you for listening to the Chatters Box. You can listen to all of our podcasts that we have done over the past few years. Uh, we have some great interviews on there and uh, you can listen to it on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast, you can find it and uh, go back and listen to all the other ones. Cause we got a great uh, library of, of some interviews with some, with some big ones. So thank you very much for listening and we will see you guys next month.